Welcome to the Daily Drive. This show is dedicated to keeping you educated, informed, and most importantly, driven to succeed. We want your feedback, so call us at 1-800-437-5121. Everyone on the Daily Drive Show team hopes you enjoy this show. Here's your host, Ken Noor. Welcome to the weekend edition of The Daily Drive. I hope you had a fantastic week. I hope that you made history in your business. And if you want to share with us, call 1-800-437-5121 and tell us about the history that you made. Consider that in this week in 1789, with the nation in need of a strong financial leader, President George Washington appoints American revolutionist and stalwart Federalist Alexander Hamilton to step in as the first Secretary of the Treasury. The move came a week after the official founding of the Treasury Department. Hamilton was Washington's aide-de-camp during the American Revolution and was instrumental in the formation of the U.S. Constitution. During Washington's administration, Hamilton, with his support of strong federal government and conservative property rights, often came into conflict with Secretary of State Thomas Jefferson, a Democratic idealist who favored states' rights. In 1901, workers lay the cornerstone for a new New York Stock Exchange building at 18 Broad Street. Finished in 1903 and still open today, the new quarters included a trading floor that was over twice the size of its predecessor. Also in 1901, investors mourned the death of business-friendly President William McKinley by engaging in a steady sell-off. Stocks promptly fell, and the Dow closed the day with a 3.2-point loss. The drop was also a reflection of Wall Street's fears over Teddy Roosevelt's ascension to the presidency. In 1909, financier and railroad kingpin Edward Harriman passes away. Harriman started his career as a broker's clerk in New York, eventually saving up enough money to purchase a seat on the New York Stock Exchange. Following this rise to wealth and power, Harriman turned his attention to the nation's rail lines and along with a group of bankers, acquired the troubled Union Pacific Railroad Company. In 1946, Oliver Stone is born. Stone is in fact deeply tied to Wall Street. His father was a stockbroker, as well as a publisher of a noted investment newsletter. Following a brief stint at Yale University, Stone moved abroad, served time in Vietnam, and wrote a novel that would sit unpublished until the mid-1990s. By the beginning of the 70s, he had returned to the U.S. and embarked on a career as a writer-director provocateur. After cleaning up at the Oscars in 1986 for Platoon, Stone turned his camera and pen towards his father's realm, the stock market. Never one for subtlety, Wall Street was pure stone, a loud morality play set against the 1980s investment world. Though the film revolved around the temptation of a young stockbroker played by Charlie Sheen, co-star Michael Douglas easily stole the show with his sleazy portrayal of a corrupt financier. In 1966, 
The Senate adopts legislation to raise the nation's minimum wage. The amendment paved the way for a new rate of $1.40 an hour and expanded the wage to reach state and local government workers at public schools and nursing homes, as well as the construction industry. In 1981, a power outage on the lower floor of the New York Stock Exchange shut it down early. Con Edison was called to fix the problem, and the exchange was up and running the next day. I wonder if my power went out if I get that much attention. In 1985, after flirting with a move to Delaware, Wall Street mainstay Morgan Guarantee announced that it would stay in New York City. In 1996, the Gillette Company took another step in expanding its presence at the checkout counter around the globe by announcing its merger with battery giant Duracell. Starting in the mid-1980s, Gillette had gone vertical, snapping up major players in the toothbrush and writing instrument industries. Not only did the merger with Duracell jive with Gillette's business philosophy, it made good financial sense. With sales of $2.3 billion, Duracell batteries became Gillette's second best-selling product line. And the transaction, valued at roughly $7 billion in stock, didn't exactly hurt Duracell, which had failed to meet earnings and estimates in recent months. Not only would it provide a quick return for shareholders, but the merger gave Duracell access to Gillette's mighty global distribution capability. In 1997, Sara Lee Corp. officials announced a plan to outsource and outright sell some of its operations. Sara Lee estimated that the move would help rake in $3 billion in cash, as well as allow the company to become more competitive. And finally, this week in 2001, a handful of cowardly attackers blew planes into the Pentagon, the World Trade Center, and a field in Pennsylvania and attempted to disrupt the American economy. Their ill-conceived goals of taking our businesses, our economy, and our country down failed because of the resilience of the American people. And today, we have more momentum than ever. And much of that momentum is fueled by the American dream and entrepreneurs like you. I hope you have a great weekend. And I hope that you had a historic week. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our sponsor, That Company. Why should you work with That Company as your white-label provider for digital marketing instead of those other guys? Because we get results for your clients. That's why we're the digital marketing provider of choice for some of the biggest agencies in the industry. You just don't know it. If you want to give us feedback, call us now at 1-800-437-5121 or drop by dailydriveshow.com. Make sure you add us to your Alexa daily briefing skill. Don't forget that you can listen to us live every day on WQBQ at 7.30 a.m. The show wouldn't be 
possible without the Daily Drive Show team, web guru Taj Royer, executive producer Josh Cardoza, and the social media man with the plan Roy Wilson. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow. Tomorrow.